on April 18, 1775, Paul Revere rode from Boston to Lexington to warn of the arrival of British soldiers. He started this ride at a small tavern on Union Street. This tavern's name was the Green Dragon. The Green Dragon Tavern was not only the beginning place of Revere's famous ride, but also the birthplace of American freedom. On this podcast, we will explore what it means to be American and how we can all be protectors of the American freedom our founding fathers fought for. Join us in our journey to rediscover what it means to be Americans. Hi guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Green Dragon Podcast. I'm your host, Aiden. I'm your fellow host, Tom. And today we have a guest, our first guest ever, Isaac Gibson, who is a um, classmate of mine from school and we've been great friends ever since we met each other and um, we got to talking and thought it'd be great to get onto the podcast together so welcome Isaac. Thank you Tom I'm really glad to be here with both of you. Yeah I'm, I'm, uh, I'm really looking forward to our conversation today Isaac and uh, this is our first time chatting but uh, I can already tell that we're probably gonna we're probably going to have to have several podcasts and probably have to have you back on several times. You're actually taking the place of, of Jake tonight. Jake's out. Um, Jake's out sick. He lost his voice. So we figured, you know, having somebody that can't speak probably wasn't the greatest idea on a podcast. Um, yeah. I don't feel like sign language followers. Yet. <laughs> and I don't even know if he knows that. But. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think if Jake tried to do sign language, we might have more people that decided to leave the podcast uh, than stick <laughs> around for it. <laughs> I don't know how I don't know how good his sign language skills are, um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, today today we've got um, so much stuff to cover. I was telling Tom before we got started tonight that I felt like the week started off slow um, last you know last week after we recorded. I felt like there was a little bit of news, and then all of a sudden everything just kind of like dumped. Like it was like Monday and Tuesday. Like it was Monday and Tuesday this week where. Every like I was going through all the news sources I typically go through, and I was like, "Holy cow!" I was planning on having like maybe three or four news bullet points this week, and I it you know went up to ten or eleven, and I was like, "Well, we might have to make two podcasts this week, <laughs> just just yeah. just just to cover everything." Um, really? But the but the main the main topic um, and the reason we got Isaac on is we wanted to cover the topic of the the transgender issue um and epidemic. the over epidemic yeah that's a better word for it yeah the, the transgender epidemic in not only in the u.s but also i think as in the world as a as a whole but i think we'll focus more on the on the u.s because it seems to be a particularly um prominent issue that's discussed here in the u.s especially especially in the current political climate we're in um, so yeah, I think if Isaac, if you're up for it, we'll, we'll get started with some current news and then, uh, it, you know, feel free to chime in and then we'll, we'll jump right into our main topic for today. Sounds great. All right. So guys, uh, the first thing I wanted to bring up today, and we'll start with, we'll start with domestic news. Like we, we always, we always start with domestic and then we kind of, um, go over to world news, but the um, 
news headline that kind of gave me the most <laughs> the most laughs, I guess. Uh, which is it's is is sometimes rare to come across. Most of the time, I just shake my head in disappointment um, when it comes to news, especially nowadays. But the one that really got me laughing, and I know Tom has a little bit to say about this, uh, was what President Biden said about Kamala Harris. Tom, I don't know if you want to <laughs> give the listeners a little bit of rundown on, on what uh, our, our president decided to say about our vice president. He said something to the effect that she was the greatest black Indian. And then he rephrased, black Indian woman has ever been in politics. And she's great. Much that's the that's was, quite the that's quite the title there. Wow. I know. Yeah, yeah. I think he said she uh, something along the lines of like she was the most accomplished or something something like that. Most accomplished. And I was like, what 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 is she? What is she accomplished? Please tell me. I'd love I love to hear. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, I guess she uh, she was is accomplished in being chosen as vice president, but that's not really. An accomplishment. That's just something that's been given. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it, it 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 always makes me laugh um, when I when I hear like I I feel like I don't I don't understand why people get excited that she's the first female vice president. I think there was a lot better choices. I think she just kind of fit a profile that they were looking for. Like I we we um we discussed the Candace Owens and Candace Owens got a um got on uh she got she's on the real daily where i think she would have been a far better choice as a as a female vice president or tulsi gabbard and that was another one we talked about on the podcast um i think both of those women are far better qualified much definitely much better spoken i mean Kamala got up and gave an address in south korea and said north korea is one of our greatest allies and has been for a while so <laughs> they, they of course yeah yeah and would have been a, a better vice president I mean, just like in general because obviously not for the democrats but oh sure 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 <laughs> I, i'm just saying yeah 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 absolutely absolutely i'm saying for for the people in general i think um oh. yeah yeah i don't think i don't think the democratic party would have chosen either of them candace mm -hmm. or tulsi gabbard but it and is the, what it, the, the kind of rocks my rocks my uh rocks my cradle in the wrong way is uh you know, they make statements like, oh, she's the most accomplished. Or when anyone makes statements like, this is the most accomplished person in their field. Like, you can say that all day long, but unless you actually have hard facts for that, it's like you're just spewing out nonsense, really. Um, like, I, I could say that sentence to anyone about anything, but if I don't have to back it up, it's like, what are you talking about? Like, what is she? I mean, despite, like, aside from the fact that she is black and Indian, so just whatever, however he says it. Um, like, what has she done besides being a black woman that has actually like made her accomplish anything? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, absolutely. I think um, actions definitely speak louder than words, and uh, there's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of words going on, not a lot of action, especially from. I mean, I don't. Has she done anything? I mean, really, since she's become vice president. Other than get it, receiving the title of vice president, I I can't name one thing she's done um, besides make a besides make a fool of herself. Um, 
uh, she she's been able to go through three speechwriters. I know that, but that's really about it. It's probably because those speechwriters didn't know how to repeat their sentences very well. <laughs> You're like, probably good for the people. Do the good thing for the people, which is good. Like you know, they weren't writing those things for her, so yeah, yeah. I don't know how to read. I can't say it seven times. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just um, it's a it's a. I feel like I, I feel disappointed. I feel disappointed in uh, in our ability to choose leaders that are capable of making even small decisions. I mean, it, it really is uh, it's telling of where our I think of where our society is these days that we can elect somebody that really doesn't have or shouldn't be in a position like that. They really have no business being there. I mean, there's obviously a lot of different factors behind that. It's, it's not like people just kind of like, you know, chose Biden to be the leader because, you know, he was a very popular person or the Democratic Party has anything really to offer. It's all about pushing ideologies. And there is nothing easier for a populace to absorb than a really trending ideology. Um, and for the left, it was, you know, anything going from like, like, the BLM movement to transgender to um, saving the planet, all of these huge topics that like, people just soak that up and they focus on that. It doesn't really matter who's in charge of, the, of making policy to get those ideologies confirmed. They just need someone to do it. And so like so many people are just so willing to be like, just put anybody in office that shares these ideologies because they just want to see those things completed. And that's what we're seeing right now with Biden, especially is that, he is so much more focused on, um, you know, providing gender affirming care for underage and like very underage kids who have no idea what's going on rather than um, deal with these threats that are foreign and domestic, especially like with our border or um, across the seas. Like it's, it's, it's kind of, um, it's kind of crazy. And I saw in Tom's list of topics tonight, the, the ESGs, the topic of ESGs, and I think a lot of it has to do with that. Um, a lot of companies um, lobbying um, politicians to promote policies that encourage these ESG programs for all these these uh, corporate businesses in America that forcing their CEOs to implant these protocols for you know environment. What is it? environment? Um, Oh, I can't remember the acronym. Environment, security. social, yeah, security. Yeah. What's it again, Tom? It's like environmental, social governor, governance. And governance is the last one, yeah. So, I mean, and there's a lot of money to be found in that. Because, um, you know, you can find people, tax people, if they don't follow those things. It all kind of comes back full circle to uh, the leadership. And you can really see it if you kind of take a step back um, and kind of look at everything, like, it's pretty crazy, but that was a very general review, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, um, it's frustrating to see the, um, the focus put on a lot of these quote woke issues when there's bigger issues at play. Um, especially when it comes to our national security too. I know you touched on that a little bit, but when we have, 
infiltration from the Chinese government uh, to the extent that it is in our country right now, um, as far as their surveillance on us. And there, um, I mean, there's countless, countless examples of their espionage. Um, actually, this week, one of the things I, I highlighted was um, the DOJ actually charged two Chinese intelligence officers with attempting to interfere with the prosecution of a uh, significant Chinese telecommunications company. Um, mm-hmm. And this this was a um, issue that we discussed in one of our first podcasts, I think. But uh, with a lot of these Chinese telecommunications companies, they were bringing over um, cellular um, you know, towers and satellites to, uh, they were setting them up and putting them in areas and essentially stealing information, sensitive information off those, off those towers. Um, and they were putting them up essentially for free just because they were, these companies are owned by the Chinese government. They're operated by the Chinese government. They're funded by the Chinese government, the CCP. So they're able to, you know, come in and set up, you know, 500 cellular towers for free because they know they'll be able to gain sensitive information. They'll be able to steal intelligence. They'll be able to steal information. You know, that's what they're in the business of. Um, but yeah, apparently these two um, intelligence officers uh, were caught trying to bribe, uh, I guess, I think it was, I it could be wrong on this. I think they were trying to bribe some government officials um, into letting these uh, telecommunication, this telecommunications company off. So it's interesting to see, you know, I mean, this is just one case, but if, if this is, if this is one case, there has to be hundreds of others, hundreds of others like this case where we're seeing probably not only the Chinese, but also the Russian government, um, Indian government. I mean, we have, at this point, we have so many uh, enemies and we, we don't even really realize it. We're just kind of, I feel like we're letting people walk all over us currently um, as far as our, as far as our um, policies go. But uh, it is interesting to see this focus of the public drawn away from big issues like that, that are national security issues that really affect us and our long-term safety as citizens and put towards issues like critical race theory, transgenderism, all these, all these kind of woke issues. And it's, and it's kind of this, it's a game of smoke and mirrors in a, in an attempt to distract us from our government's inability to actually protect and serve us as citizens. Yeah. I don't know if you guys ever watched the show, but it kind of reminds me of this Game of Thrones. It's like the same idea where we're trying to go for the same power. Mm-hmm. Like you have the one family who's starts a rebellion because their, you know, their leader's head was cut off unjustly by this horrible mad king and all these other powers are coming in. Everyone's claiming the right flair to the throne. And there's the kind of like, there's a kind of madness that gets instilled you can kind of feel from the TV show, like all the characters have this kind of madness that's built into their veins from this whole thing going on. And that's what it kind of feels like now. It's like, there's just kind of madness spreading 
throughout the world with this balance of powers that is, is trying very, um, is trying very, very hard to find an equilibrium, but everyone sees the equilibrium of power is with them on top. And so <laughs> it's, there's a lot, a lot of turmoil comes from that, obviously. Um, but it is interesting. Yeah. Um, and kind of, kind of, um, kind of sobering in the same, at the same time, it's, you know, it really scares me to think that um, the countries like Russia and China, these, these big, big countries that have all these small ways of infiltrating us, like you say, um, analogous to like the Game of Thrones where like there are spies everywhere. They call them the little, they call them little birds that are listening all the time. Um, and, but for most people on the day, on the day-to-day level, like it, we don't really see the effect of it except for at the gas pump. Um, we really don't see the effect of these things. And so it's really hard for people to stay, um, or even be active in, in participating in this battle, um, of powers. This also the spiritual battle too, that's happening underneath everything. Um, yeah, it kind of makes you well, I wonder as an average citizen, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to, how am I supposed to act? Um, you know, they often say that, you know, local government is the most powerful, most influential way to get things done. But at this point, for most people looking at the news, it's like, this is so beyond that. Like, what am I supposed to do? This is crazy. Yeah, it's overwhelming, I think, for most people. And, and I think that's one of the reasons it's just so easy to sit back and say, you know, there's nothing I can do. Uh, why yeah. even? Why even try? Right? Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, even for me, I mean, I, I. Even just doing the little bit of research, you know, for this podcast and on current events, it's it's overwhelming to see the amount of cases where it's just like everything that you stand for, that you live for your morals is just kind of being stripped away and it's being stripped away right in front of your eyes. And there's really, I mean, so little you can do about it, but I think this is, I think that's why, you know, Tom, maybe you can comment on this too, but I think that's, you know, why we started the podcast and why we started lifeline too, is just to, to bring conversations and power back to everyday people because i feel like that's been something that's been slowly over time eroded stripped away from us as american citizens we've become more reliant on our government um we've let that dictate how we act and and ultimately live on a daily basis and we should we should really, we should really fight to take back some of those rights we've given up over, over the years and get back to where, you know, I think that's the goal of this is to get back to where, get back to the vision that our, our founders saw in, in America. Cause I think that's the, I think that's the only really light that can shine in a world of CCPs and, and dictators like Putin and Kim Jong and yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, um, 
It's something that is unspoken about. I learned it in school, but like how America was the only nation founded by mankind with the free worship of God. So like that was the foundation on which everything else was built. So it had God as a center. And if you look at where our freedoms have been taken away in America, that's all pretty much out of a hatred or an anger to God. And the best way to attack God is to attack with his creation. So like with marriage and the family, that's the main thing attacked because that's the greatest image and reflection of him. And America was a great place because it enabled anyone to raise a family here anywhere doing anything. Yeah. So it gave people the ultimate freedom to just decide what they think was the best way to live their lives with the people they loved. And so when you see like all this terrible stuff happening, it's essentially them trying to take away that fundamental freedom of having a family. Yeah. I think that's really well said. And I think that actually, I think that has a lot to do with our, our main topic today. Uh, you, you mentioned that, um, a lot of the things that are going on today are done out of almost a hatred or spite for God or to God. Um, and I think one of the most precious things that God gives us is the human body. Um, we're made in the image and likeness of God. And so to look at your own body or look at somebody else's body and, and not look at it as something beautiful and as something sacred, but to look at it as something you can change and manipulate to how you see it fit. Um, as almost like a, it's a, it's an object. It's something that can be completely manipulated. I think that's, I think that's something that's, that stands out to me, especially in the topic of transgenderism, that it's a very selfish approach to, to life in general, but also it's a selfish approach to the gift that we've been given by God of the human body. Cause the human body is really something beautiful and something precious. And it's essentially a mutilation of that. It's it's a, a mutilation of something that was made to be perfect. But I, I don't know if you guys want to... I mean, we've got so much to talk about in the news, but we've also got so much to talk about in transgenderism. I don't know if you guys are kind of ready to transition a little bit over to transgenderism, just to just to get things things going here and get that conversation going. I'm ready to dive in. All right, Next. cool. Cool. <laughs> or uh, not retort, really, but just kind of response to what both of you have said so far. Uh, I was thinking about this today, actually, and, and trying to get my thoughts collected for this podcast. Um, I was trying to think, like, why are these things like transgenderism or, like, you know, equal rights or CRT, why are all these things happening? Why are all these things, like, where did all this stuff come from? And obviously, I don't know exactly where can't like pinpoint with all the particulars where all these things come from in the human psyche, but you can definitely look at kind of more of a general view of where or why these kinds of phenomena would happen. Like 15 years ago, 
not that many people were coming out as transgender. And if you look at all the statistics, like over the over the years, it compounds how many people are coming out with this. Like, like we said at the beginning, it's like an epidemic. This uh, kind of like trend of gen- uh, transgenderism. Um, I think that a lot of these kinds of things um, come about because, well, people, human beings are for all the way back into ancient times have always looked to something beyond themselves for some sort of purpose or guidance or moral code or origin, right? Like every single, um, every single culture and people has had some sort of series of gods or, or some sort of series of religious ideals that guided them or helped them understand the world around them. Right. And if you cross reference all of those different religions and stuff like that, you'll see a lot of similarities because the human mind isn't really all that much different when you go across different cultures, you might do different things, but everyone kind of has the same kind of basic understanding of nature and themselves and where things kind of come from and that there needs to be a place from which things to come from. Um, but in the modern age, and I think with a lot of the modern thinkers, and when I say modern thinkers, I'm thinking more of like Kant and like Rousseau and people like those Hobbes, they've very subtly infiltrated the, the kind of um, the global psyche by introducing ideas that eventually lead to the conclusion for most secular people that there's no such thing as a god or there's no such thing as something other than myself. And so you have the advent of the self, the coming, the, this, this huge movement within like the global psyche of people just re- like deciding that there is nothing beyond my own self. There's nothing greater than me. Um, and so what happens is when these ideas start emerging, these ideas start emerging of like, the people still have the problem of like figuring out who, what their identity is. And for the ancients, their identity was bound up in their understanding of nature and the gods and things outside of themselves. But modern man, having abandoned those things and having denied those things, has looked for his, his identity within himself. And guess what's inside yourself? <laughs> Nothing but turmoil and strife. It's just like um, just chaos of emotions and will and all these things. Um, and so it, it makes sense that there are like, you know, a gazillion different genders because people are trying to figure out who they are using themselves as a reference point and being subject to the global, the kind of like social contagion of this idea that you can decide who you are based on yourself. And, and, and I think that's why a lot of these groups, like, um, you, know, you hear stories about like people trying to shut down transgender reading time at libraries or shut down drag shows with kids and they get really upset and they're like why would you do that why would you do that like this is like this is obviously a good thing to do um but they're never able to explain exactly why it's a good thing to do and that's because it's completely personal for them they like they just have they're so convicted that it's right because they're doing it there's no kind of um they don't relate anything that they do to the general good of the public because the greatest thing out there is themselves, right? The old, the ancient people had the gods that was better than themselves and they, they formed their cities and their cultures around the gods. Um, but nowadays our cities and our cultures are trying to be formed around the self, which is impossible. And so you have these like crazy epidemics 
and it really is an epidemic. This transgender thing is an epidemic. Um, people are just falling into it like crazy because they want to be selfish, really. And they, they, they will adopt anything that helps them do that. Even if it means mutilating children, they will push the ideas as far as they can if it means that they can affirm themselves. That's why they call it gender affirming care, right? Because affirming means like, like you tell someone that they're right. And unfortunately, you also, you also started to see this in like, I mean, the government, obviously, like the, the social construct of our society has fallen into this kind of ideology in a different way. The, this movement of transgenderism isn't really all that different from all the other kind of like selfish movements that have been, have been going on um, throughout, throughout our modern era. Um, but you also see it infiltrating things like the church as well. Um, and just uh, and just tons of other social institutions and religious institutions. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my spiel. I think that the, because, because mankind, or especially because the culture of America has abandoned the sense that there really is an act of God that we actually see before us as something other than ourselves, the only other thing left is ourselves. We are, in terms of our creation around us, we are the highest thing. After that is God. And if you, if you reject God, then you're the highest thing. And that's, that's hell. <laughs> we are not self-redeeming creatures. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, that's, that's really well said. And um, yeah, there's, you, you nailed, I mean, you nailed all the talking points right there. Um, I, I've got a couple things that just really stood out to me um, that you said. And I think one of those things is this idea that we've, as a society, completely rejected God. We've made ourselves God. And, and one thing I think, well, one thing I think is really you know, whether you, whether you're religious or not, I think there's this important realization that you have to have that no matter who you are, you aren't the most important thing in society, <laughs> right? You aren't God. And, and obviously the truth is that, and this is what I firmly believe is, is that there is a God out there and, and um and there's a there's a greater purpose that i have in my life because i know i'm not the most important thing right and i think one um podcast that really a comment that was made in jordan peterson's podcast with abigail schreier um on this topic was that he commented on this idea of identity and these people that are claiming what their identity is and he said identity is not who you think and feel you are, not only who you think and feel you are, but also what your use is or what your purpose is in society. And I think, and I think that has a lot, I think that has a lot of meaning to what, to what you're saying there. And, and he says it more in a secular term. Um, but I think it, it gives this idea of a greater purpose in life um, other than yourself outside of yourself. Yeah. And, um, and I, and uh, yeah, yeah, and I think I think I think that's at least for me when I was thinking about this idea, I was like, well, well, where where's the where's the 
what's the disconnect? Where, where have we gone as a society, right? That has, has caused us to get to this point where we're saying, you know, I, I know what's, I know what's right. I know what's wrong. I know what truth is. I, I can define truth. And I think that's a, I think that's a really dangerous thing. Cause I think if, if you're so arrogant to say that I know what truth is, you're, you're essentially claiming that, like you said, you are God, you, you know, what's best. And that idea of knowing what truth is allows you to be able to say to the rest of society, you don't know what truth is. I know what truth is. I know it's, I know who I am. And you know, you can't tell me I'm not because I know what truth is. I, I know my own truth. You know, I believe, you know, mm. you, you have to listen to my truth because it's my truth. And that's something I hear a lot is when people are, especially people that talk about this issue, they always talk about their truth. You know, I'm, um, I'm a woman because it's my, you know, I feel that it's my truth. It's where I feel like I belong. Well, that's great and all, but to be fair, there's, there's psychopaths that are out there that think that killing people is is their truth right is 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 and and i think most and i think most sane people would agree that killing other people is not a truth that we should affirm it's not a truth so there there is truth there is this there should be this idea of what's right what's wrong and there is a truth but when you become so arrogant to say that i know what truth is that's when i think you start to see this I think erosion of erosion of everything moral. I think all morality kind of falls to the wayside, um, yeah. and then and then you start to see the the proliferation um, of issues like this or abortion or wh- whatever the whatever the issue might be. I mean, it's just when we decide as, as people that we know what's best and, and we know what's best for us and other people can just kind of screw off <laughs> if they, if they disagree with us, it, it causes a lot of issues, I think. Yeah. I, th- I thought you said that very well. And just a couple of things that I thought about when you were saying that was, I mean, you know, kind of looking at these problems, you kind of imagine like how on earth are people so crazy that they actually believe these things? Like how do they get to this point? Um, but I think in a lot of small ways, we do exactly what they're doing all the time. And that's when, we, when we're doing something and maybe we know it's wrong to do this thing. Maybe we're doing something bad and we, or like maybe it's a bad habit or something. We're very quick to defend ourselves in front of people about what we're doing. And, but as soon as you do that, you either have to say, I have to face the truth and say what I'm doing is actually wrong or I have to reinvent the wheel of truth and that just has a a cascading effect on everything else that you believe like i have to say like you then you have to say like i'm a good person even though because of the thing that i'm doing which is probably wrong like if you have everything changes if you don't stick to the truth and so i think for a lot of these people it's like you either accept the truth or you create an entirely new system of what truth is based on your own personal experience of the things that you're doing, which are probably wrong because you have to defend yourself yeah. or they feel like they have to defend themselves. And that's where the arrogance and the pride comes in. It's like, 
Um, I know it's a good example. It's like, you know, if someone has a, a really bad habit of like not doing the dishes or not cleaning their room, like really bad where it's like you can't even see the floor or the, the countertop anymore. And someone comes into their house and they're like, Hey man, you should clean your dishes. Like this is a mess. And they're like, what mess are you talking about? It's the, it's like the, the same mentality that comes with like hoarders, right? They, they pour all the stuff and they collect all the stuff and say, well, well, maybe I'll need that someday. And maybe I'll need this someday. It's like, rather than admitting the fact that their house is an entire mess, you can't even see the house anymore. They were willing to re reconstruct reality. And there's like a psychological thing there, but there's also kind of a thing with the will and the desire and the, the pride that kind of blends into that as well. But, and I think what that creates is something I was thinking about this earlier when you were, when you were talking, um, and I know Tom will know this very well. I don't know how well you, how, uh, how much classical education you've had, but the, the stuff that we're seeing out in society right now really reminds me of um, the way that different people act towards each other, like with the transgender stuff, the CRT, the Black Lives Matter, all, the, all these crazy things that are going on. It really reminds me about how the, the gods acted towards each other in like Greek myths. Yes. Like they're arrogant, yeah. petty, super selfish. There's not a single God in the Greek myths that is actually caring or loving of the other one. They're just like, they are the, they're the epitomes of these selfish, like petty bastards. <laughs> and, and like, they just fight for what they think is right. And they all have their favorite humans that they're going for. And they're like, I want this human to succeed. And the other God's like, no, I want that human to, su to succeed. And like, they're just pitted against each other all the time. And, because they're not, they can't see, they can't, they really can't see each other in a sense. They don't really understand each other. Um, and they, because they only, they only, they only understand themselves. And the Greeks kind of understood, they understood this kind of like phenomenology of the human psyche where it's like there are people and there are these elements within the, um, the character of individuals that if you don't, you don't balance them correctly. Like people are just going to be like extremely selfish and extremely like, I just want this thing all the time. Like Aphrodite is the goddess of lust because all she wants to do is promote lust. And there are people out there that all they want to do is be lustful. Um, and it's, it's uh, it, yeah, they just fight with each other constantly. It kind of reminds me of like what's happening nowadays with like these transgender people that they think they're doing something really right by indoctrinating kids and having, you know, genitalia chopped off their bodies and they're like what we're doing is right and no one can argue with us and it's like that little tiny god is pitted against the other god which is reason and like like they're all, all these things are kind of fighting against each other and uh it's just it's it's someone could write someone could write a ballad about this i'm sure i'm sure historians years from now will be perplexed and but also kind of amused with how similar we look to the greek gods <laughs> our culture today yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's um it's amazing to me like that human beings really just repeat the same sort of issues over and over again and they might manifest themselves in different ways over over time, right? But really the same core issues are there. And we never really we never really get out of this cycle. <laughs> and I think, I think the thing that stands out to me the most, and I found a quote about this actually this, this past week, um, actually from Aristotle, um, but he was talking about the soul and the body. And I think a lot of the issues that we face today are a direct 
result of the deterioration of the soul and of like this moral this moral compass that we have and he was talking about how the soul and the body um are essentially one they they react sympathetically on one uh, one another and i'll read the quote real quick because i thought it was a really interesting quote and i think it has you know i was thinking about it and i was like this has a lot of implications for what we're seeing today with with the whether it's the just you know the mutilation of the human body or the objectification of the human body whatever it might be and i think there's this direct correlation between the the erosion of the soul and the erosion of our i guess the best word for it is the erosion of our um the way we look at the human body and so he aristotle says the soul and the body i suggest reacting sympathetically upon each other a change in the state of the soul produces a change in the shape of the body and conversely a change in the shape of the body produces a change in the state of the soul and i thought this was really interesting because you know when i think about somebody that's really disciplined has a has a strong moral compass i typically you, you typically don't see those people as i always think of somebody that's very disciplined not only mentally but physically as well i think a lot of times i think of like an an athlete and this is kind of where my my mind goes you've got this person that's got a very disciplined um mental state but also very disciplined and it, and it shows through their body right but i think as soon as you as soon as the soul begins to deteriorate because of whatever it might be you know you're you you start to um, become lazy in one thing and that just leads to the next thing and eventually you get to this point where the the body is completely deteriorated to the point where you you hate your i think you hate your own body because you hate who you are deep down in your soul right and um i was thinking about this because i was thinking about you know what causes a human being to get to the point where you want to mutilate the body that you've been given and i think it's a self-hatred for who you are deep down and and that's that's found in your soul so it's a complete deterioration of the soul complete self-hatred of the soul that results in at least the way i see it a complete rejection of the mm. form the 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 physical form of the of the soul essentially because the soul and the body are in a sense one and so if if you hate who you are you know spiritually you're going to hate who you are physically as well i think yeah and um yeah i mean yeah the, the body always wars against or is always battling against the intellect right so it's always trying to get, just be satisfied however however it can and it's up to the intellect it's up to the will to direct the body towards its better self right the body just wants to eat the donut <laughs> but the mind knows that if the body eats the donut too many times it's gonna there's gonna be a lot more body and it's not gonna be good body <laughs> um, 
<laughs> yeah, and yeah. It's kind of it's kind of amazing. It's kind of a it really the relate. I mean, I kind of imagine kind of like personifying the relationship between the mind or the soul and the body is kind of a one way one way love relationship where the the soul is trying to love the body as much as possible, but the body rejects it. And as soon as the soul adopts this the the sense of reject like like stops loving the body shows the effects of that which is you know people become obese or people become lazy or um when people are convinced that they shouldn't love their bodies because they maybe feel a different way um they start to hate their body because they yeah it just doesn't reflect who they think they are yeah so once the soul and the mind start to lose that love for the body that they're supposed to have you start to see the effects of that that lack of love through the body through the deformities or the obesity or the laziness or the the lack of self-care all of those things and it's it's also just i i just think this is incredible in kind of a phenomenological way i guess maybe um that when the soul is hurting we we're, we're convinced most most of the time we're convinced that we have to do something to our body to make our soul feel better and so people will take to you know eating disorders or drinking too much or smoking too much or doing other crazy things to try to make their soul feel better or mutilating their body changing it to make their soul feel better it's unbelievable like how how it how how many people think that oh if i just if I just change this thing, if I just cut off, cut off this part of my body, my soul will be healed. Like I will finally be the person that I want to be. It's like, don't you understand that the part of you that is wanting to do something, the part of you that is thinking about wanting to do something isn't your body. It's your soul. Your, your body is like completely outside of that kind of, that kind of faculty. But, and, but once you do something, your body is just receiving kind of all the act all the decisions that you make as soon as you as soon as you do that to your body it's done you can't change it um and you didn't actually fix anything because <laughs> you can't cut part of your soul out or a place you can't transplant part of your soul um so yeah i don't know that quote from aristotle is really it's very simple but i think it's very powerful it's it's just it's the truth it's the, it's the truth mm -hmm. and um it's the truth that people have decided not to acknowledge because as well as denying God, um, people have also denied the, the soul, right? Mm -hmm. So once you deny the soul, your body is the only thing. So of course, people are convinced that if I mutilate it and change it, it'll change how I feel or change who I am. But yeah, it's a it's a it's a booby trap. It's an intellectual booby trap. Yeah, yeah. I think um, when I look at the vast majority of people that go through these gender changes, most of the time they already go into these gender changes unhappy with something in their life. Um, whether it's feeling like they're a misfit in society or just looking for a way to, you know, quote, find themselves. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's, 
and I, I think a lot of it comes nowadays, you know, we're told, you know, if, you know, if you're a misfit, if, if you're trying to, you know, you haven't found yourself, maybe, you know, it's, it's pushed on social media, it's pushed through our peers, whatever it might be, it's pushed that, oh, well, maybe you just, you know, haven't found the gender you're supposed to be. We've, we've made this a gender issue. And really, it's an issue that the human person, I feel like, has been dealing with since the beginning of time, finding yourself. And we've just we've just decided it's recently that it's more of a gender issue because it's a it's an easy cop out. It's a, it's an easy thing to say. Well, you don't you don't feel like you found your purpose, your meaning in life, and you know less and less people are finding that today because we've changed what what purpose and meaning is. But you know you're having trouble finding your purpose and meaning in life where you fit in in society where you fit in with you know, everybody else, it's probably just because you're not in the right body. You're not the right gender. And it's a, and it's an easy thing in theory to change for somebody. They'd be like, oh, well, I'll just go through, th- I'll just go through this, this gender, you know, replace, uh, you know, hormone replacement therapy, whatever it might be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. Affirmative care. Affirmative. <laughs> yeah. But it, and it's, it's, it's a, it essentially is a cop out. It's it's taking the it's taking the quote easy way out of this really human issue of trying to discover what it what is your purpose because it's something every person for the entirety of I, I feel like the human person has been trying what is what is my greater purpose who am I mm. you know that 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 human that human question the the ultimate question really. And we've just chosen to, I think, push it aside and, and, and mask it and, and make it e- quote easy to, to fix is this yeah. discomfort, this discomfort. And, and now more than ever, you know, people, people can't handle the, the smallest amount of discomfort mentally, emotionally, physically. So you get this little bit of discomfort that says, you know, who am I? What is my purpose? And what is the, what is the purpose of living? And it just, it sends people off the deep end, I think. And I think that's, and and when you're told, you know, there's an easy fix for that, you know, you're a guy, well, you're probably actually a girl, you know, and you should probably, you should probably, you know, chop off your dick and, um, or, 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 or take, or take hormone blockers and, 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 uh, medically castrate yourself, whatever it might be. But it's, it's it's just yeah i think it's shocking to me that we've been able to take the ultimate question the the ultimate human issue of of purpose of what is my purpose in life and turn it into something as as terrible as this but yeah well i want to say one thing and then i want to hear tom talk i know i feel like i feel like we're stealing the show here i feel bad tom's over there listening to us i feel like uh i'm going to in all of the great that we are trying to put out there. But so, I mean, I just, this is kind of a pet peeve of mine. Um, it's a very common phrase. So I, I obviously, I say it a lot myself, but whenever I hear someone say like finding yourself, and I understand that, I understand what they're trying to say when they say that. Um, I understand what you're trying to say when you say that. But I mean, for a lot of these people, and I think for most people, we're, we're not really looking to find ourselves. We're looking to find ourselves at peace i mean yeah yeah i mean there's there's a french philosopher um kind of poet 
guy named Jacques Maraton who talks about the self as the inner part of yourself is kind of a noble thing, only known to God. And when we see God, we'll know ourselves, right? Because mm-hmm. we'll see ourselves as God sees us. Um, our ability to know ourselves is kind of limited to our senses, but also our, our ability to contemplate or our, our intellect. But I think everybody wants peace and everybody wants to see themselves at any given moment in a state of peace. And this hunt for peace takes people on all sorts of crazy roads, including chopping stuff off of your body in order to do so. But so, yeah, I don't know. I, I was, I just thought of that. It wasn't like something I've been thinking about for a while, but I think that most people when they say, I'm, I'm trying to find out who I am, I'm looking for myself. What they really mean is like, I'm looking for peace. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I think you're, I think you're absolutely right there. And I, I won't take up too much more time here. I'm just, I'll just comment. I think if you look back across history, usually when people are trying to find this peace, they look to something greater than themselves, right? A higher power. And, and I think that's for a reason is we can't find that peace within us. And the only way to find that peace is, is to find God. And, um, and that's something we've completely removed from society. So it's nearly impossible to find that peace if we've completely removed God from our lives and our society. So I think that was really well said. Thanks, Isaac. Welcome. Okay, Tom, it's your turn. Uh, I, I'm listening to you guys. You have a lot of really good points. I've just been thinking over them. Um, something else I've been kind of wondering about is like in that search for peace that each person has it seems like a, there's also like a um that this deep like desire for acceptance and i wonder if it has something to do with that fundamental desire for love and acceptance is one of the fundamental I guess you could call it a precondition for love. Um, you accept what something is and you love it as it is and you want it to become better. So um, the only person that can love unconditionally is God. And he's the only one that can have total acceptance of us and then take what we have and then make it into something great. And... I've noticed lately that there's been a really big shift from becoming people that are attracted to certain things and are therefore attractive to where we, we, we want to become the thing we admire rather than become a person worthy of being responsible for it. So for example, it seems like um, like how the marriage age for marriage has gotten significantly higher this past couple of decades. Like people aren't really sure if they want to get married or if they really want to be in a long-term relationship. And it seems to have a lot more to do with where both the men and the women become less feminine and less masculine. So the people that end up actually get married are usually very feminine masculine people but the people who aren't kind of just in that neutral zone where they're not really sure if they want to be a man or a woman and then they think that well if i'm attracted 
Maybe if I become more like them, then they'll accept me more. Um, it's an interesting paradox because it seems like it makes sense on the surface, but at the same time, usually you're attracted to something outside of what you have already because you want something better. So like for guys, it's like um, reason like we're supposed to be attracted to a woman is because it's generally something, someone who's a lot better and it raises our cultural um, livelihood, the way we live um, so that we become worthy of accepting or of receiving the acceptance of someone like that. And then kind of vice versa, it's like the woman is becoming something worthy enough of a man giving himself to her throughout his whole life. So then when we try to like say, well, I, I'm not that attractive, I guess. So maybe if I become more like them, then they'll accept me because then I'll be something familiar to them. But familiarity generally leads to, um, I guess you could say boredom. Like if you're super familiar with everything. Then you're yeah, yeah, I would say boredom. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you inevitably have a lot of really boring people because if they're all trying to morph into this one general identity, almost one general idea of what they think is good, then you'll have a lot of people that are just kind of weird. Um, and I think you see where the people like try to blend into the crowd, like they want to fit in. But then they're like, well, I'm fitting in too much. I have to do something really weird to get attention now because I fit in so much. So then it's like, well, I'm going to be like more or less of a man, like a woman. I won't have as much of like a competitive personality. I'll just kind of like go with the flow. It's kind of like a difference, you know, like guys are usually much more harder in games like intense like want to have a real challenge where women are more like accepting to just like see what things are happening you know like just talk to people but then then they they're like okay i'm more like a woman but then i need to be something different because i can't just be a woman i need to be something that'll catch people's attention now as like being more like a woman so then they like do something weird with their clothing and it it seems like it escalates more and more into this like I have to do something drastic and crazy to get people's attention out to be accepted again. It's so interesting because it's like the thing they're looking for fundamentally is to being accepted. But to be accepted, you have to be a person who's going out beyond yourself to find mm. interesting things. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's I think that's interesting. Um, when I was listening to that podcast with Jordan Peterson and Abigail Schreier, one of the things mentioned was that most of these young girls that were going through these gender changes hadn't experienced any sort of relationship with um, an opposite sex in any romantic, you know, way, and whether it's just dating or something like that. But they hadn't they hadn't experienced any of uh, most of them hadn't experienced a relationship with um, a, a man 
or uh, you know, I mean, they're younger, so a boy. But still, I think it's that. I think that needing for love and acceptance from somebody else that it is really interesting to see because a lot of these people, I think, fundamentally are broken. They're looking for love and acceptance, and they. I, I, I don't know if it's a conclusion they come to, but I think it's maybe just the human psyche says, you know, well, you're not loved and accept, you're not loved and accepted for who you are. Maybe you should change who you are so you can be loving it, loved and accepted. And I think that's the ultimate yearning for like the human as us as human beings to be loved and accepted by God. And, and God's the only one that can satisfy that love and acceptance. So if we don't have God in our lives, there's no human being that's going to, that's going to, um, quench that, that yearning for love and acceptance. And so I think that's like fundamentally, at least from how I see it, this, this brokenness as a, as a, as a, as a whole of, of society nowadays, it seems to be stemming from this this need, this yearning for for the love and acceptance of God. Yeah, I think that there's in relation to the idea that people are always looking for love, which or yeah, acceptance, which I think is you know probably at the heart of the matter. It seems to be kind of a twofold problem, where it's like there isn't enough. Um, supply for the demand to use economic terms everybody wants to be loved and accepted but not enough people are willing to love and accept people also our definition of love has in, in the general in the general sense has kind of been changed or shifted with the abandonment of objective truth um because loving somebody doesn't just mean, you know, cuddling with them or telling them they look nice. You know, it's telling them when they're wrong. <laughs> it's telling them the truth. But if people don't want to accept the truth, and if everybody has their own truth, how are you supposed to love them? So, and, you know, I think the transgender community is really in the middle of this conundrum where they have a huge demand for people to love them not as much of a supply really because i think most average people if they actually knew what was going on with this stuff they wouldn't love it right most people are just really don't know what's going on and then it's really hard to love a lie or love something that is denying the truth and what they're doing and how they see themselves and how they think other people should see themselves is not the truth and so it's actually impossible to love somebody or love something if it's not the truth. Thomas Aquinas, and I think it's actually, he's drawing from Augustine, talks about this model for the Trinity, and he says that God is kind of like a man who has an idea, a perfect idea, and that idea is kind of like he's thinking about himself. And so that image of himself would be Christ. And then upon having this idea, he knows it perfectly because he's God. And But at the same time, when he knows it perfectly, the truth, he loves it perfectly at the same time. It's like the same action. Knowing something perfectly and loving it are the same action. And that's the person of the Holy Spirit. 
And so, but I thought that was really important when he said that when you know something, when you know the truth, you immediately love it. Right? It's like when you don't know how to play a stupid board game that you play for the first time and you're like, I don't know how these pieces move or I don't know how to play, play this game. Like, this is frustrating. I don't know how it works. You don't really like it. Um, especially if you're me. I, I hate playing board games that I don't know how to play. It's, unfortunately, that's the only way you learn. Um, but I guess the point is that you really only know or love something when you come to know it. But you can't come to know something if you're being told lies all the time. And it's really hard for me, um, so I'm such a grouch, uh, to love or to show love or affection for people that are just spouting lies all the time, um, especially like the transgender movement or the critical race theory. It's just like, it's just, it's a, it's a nest of lies. And it's like, they want me to love them, but there's nothing to like, for what, at least for what they're saying, not aside from their human dignity, what they're saying is there's nothing to love there. So it's really like twofold, strange, horrible problem. And I think that every single person has, has experienced or is currently experiencing that problem in some capacity um, because we don't always hold to the truth and people recognize that. Um, yeah, so this problem of like knowledge and loving is twofold. That's really well said, Isaac. I mean, I've never heard it put in that way before, but that makes so much sense. Like, um, knowing the truth and then loving it immediately. And that makes a lot of sense with this transgender community is that they're trying to tell you that love me as a lie. And you can't really, I mean, subconsciously you can't even because no one wants to be told a lie. Like that's one of the fundamental, like, I guess you could say actions of human interactions. No one ever wants to be told a lie or have someone tell a lie. Like even people that aren't the greatest don't really want their kids to tell them lies. You know, that's considered like a bad thing for your kids to be a liar in general. So if these people are saying, love me as a lie, then we're saying, well, we can't really, can't love you as a lie. We can love the truth about you and we will love you more the more you come to the truth and we can help you come to the truth, but you have to be willing to let go of these self-deceptions brought about by almost like a inordinate amount of wanting of acceptance. I'm not sure how to phrase that exactly, but it's like whatever spurred their decision to want to be transgender, there's something really wrong there. So whatever that cause is, we'd have to help them find that in order to help them heal. And then through that healing, we might, we will become better friends with them, you could say, because then we will see the truth more with them. I 
I think one other, um, sorry, my camera's off. One other, I think one other way of looking at it too, is that, um, the object of love is being right. The object of love is something that exists. You can't love something that doesn't exist. And what, what these people are trying to promote about themselves and what they want us to think about them is something that doesn't exist. There's no such thing as, well, there's no such thing as multiple like genders besides, or I shouldn't even say the word gender because that's like not even the right word. They're kind of made that up. There's no such thing as multiple sexes beyond male and female. They're trying to make us believe that there is. And you can't love something that doesn't exist or that is contrary to what does exist. Um, and you want to, you really do want to like to love people and love some of these people, preferably all people. <laughs> um, but when, when they're, when they're promoting things that are contrary to existence or being itself, it's, it's very difficult. It's, I mean, and this is, I'm not, I'm not trying to say these people should go to hell or something, but this is what a lot of theologians express the reality of hell to be is people deny people in a constant state, a constant state in their soul of denying the truth and denying being and ultimately denying God, but denying existence and goodness itself all the time. They're just like, they just will not accept it. And they're just constantly in the state of denying and um, not knowing and therefore not loving anything. And, yeah, I'm not, like I'm saying, I'm not, I'm not saying these people are in hell right now. They, they might be in something very similar to it, but yeah, it's just, and, and you can see how chaotic their, their lives are because, and how our lives are becoming because of all this, like they're, because they've decided to deny being in reality. Honestly, it really is making, it is really making hell, hell on earth for a lot of people. Like all these poor kids, um, all these poor young girls that are um, being sucked into this ideology and just hating themselves for the rest of their lives. I think, have you both of you seen the uh, Matt Walsh documentary, What is a Woman? Yeah, I, um, I was telling Tom, I saw the preview. I've seen some clips from it, but I haven't actually watched it. But um, it's on my mm -hmm. list of things to watch because I think a lot of the things... I mean, just, just the basic premise, what is a woman? Asking people, what is a woman? And most of these people can't even, you know, <laughs> give a give an adequate answer. But it really, um, yeah, it, it, I watched the clip uh, with the, um, I forget her name. She was a gender-affirming physician. And just the apps, I mean, she was like, I hate to put it in crude terms, but like an absolute crackpot. I mean, she was, she was off the wall. I mean, some of the things she was saying, she wouldn't even deny there's no Santa Claus. I mean, like this lady was absolutely crazy. She, she couldn't, ex uh, I don't know if it wasn't, she couldn't accept truth or what truth was, but she definitely couldn't acknowledge what truth was um, to, to, to Matt. And I was just like blown away by it. I was like, oh my gosh. These are the people that are, you know, telling parents their kids have to get basically chemical castration, uh, like, and 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 acting like it's just you know, like popping an Advil. And it's just 
they'll fix it temporarily. It's it's a temporary fix, you know, something like that. It just it blew my mind, and I was like, this is absolutely disgusting. And I was thinking in particular, there's I'm sure you've seen a clip of it. He interviews this guy. Well, hold on a second. There's a guy, I think. Anyway, this individual. I'm not sure because I. Anyway, it's actually really confusing, but it was this individual that underwent um, hormone therapy and gender affirming care from a young age. And in the interview, he was like 30 or 35. And he just like, just talking about how damaging and how like just so horrible it was. Like, he will never look like it ever again. I don't know if you've seen that clip with that guy. I can't remember the guy's name, but he was just talking about like the self-hatred that comes from the damaging of the body. And most of these people don't know what they're doing. They're not even old enough to realize that these things have consequences. It's like, yeah, a 15-year-old girl might want to be a boy right now. In 10 years, she's going to be like, wow, I was acting like a stupid teenager. Oh, yeah, like everybody else does that. It's like, I look yeah. back when I was 14, I'm like, I don't even know who that person is. Mm -hmm. I got mm -hmm. dumb. He made the dumbest decisions ever. He like thought he was in the world and thought that everything he did, he was what he wanted right now. Like how, how are people? And well, I, I asked the question, how are people so blind to that? It's not really a matter of them being blind. It's just, they want the money for it. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's the exact point that, um, Abigail Schreier from the Wall Street Journal brought up, and that's the reason she wrote that book, Irreversible Damage, is that, you know, whether you support the transgender movement or not, you have to recognize the destruction it's causing in the young communities of America, um, especially among young girls, is this, is this, um, I mean, it, when you, when people don't understand, like, when you use terms like uh, uh, hormone blockers, these these pills that they give kids, these things aren't just a temporary. They don't they don't put a pause like uh, that. That gender affirming therapist, she liked to use that. She wouldn't accept the fact of the that these hormone blockers actually essentially is a uh, act as a chemical castration. Some of which are actually used to cast or, or essentially chemically castrate sex offenders um and that was a, a point that matt walsh brought up um she wouldn't even accept the, or acknowledge the fact that that's true these aren't something that these 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 pills these uh treatments that they give these kids that are you know not not old enough to consent they're not of a consenting age and if you have any sort of brain i think that you could say that a kid that isn't able to consent to having sex probably shouldn't be able to consent to having their body altered for the rest of their lives i think that's I, I don't think that should be a contentious issue i think that should be pretty straightforward for most common sense people but regardless of that i think the fact that these 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 drugs these treatments that they're administering to these kids are completely irreversible is just absolutely devastating when you're talking about kids that you know like you said 14 15 years old they don't know what they want i didn't know what i wanted at 14 15 years old shoot i mean i was 
I don't even know what I wanted at 14 or 15. I can't even think back. I know it probably wasn't something good. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but at 14 or 15, I probably like wanted to do something stupid. <laughs> just when, um, yeah, when I was, a. I mean, this is probably not the worst thing I could talk about when I was 14, but me and my older, my older brothers used to like jump on the train and ride. I mean, I guess not that. I guess it's not that bad. But um, it, like, could, it could be. Think, it, it could uh, be a lot. It could be a lot worse. <laughs> um, but yeah, we used to like jump on this train because we we're like, "Oh, this is a great idea." And then we'll, like, we won't get caught. This isn't like a dangerous thing to do. Fourteen years old. <laughs> like, yeah, and I think that was. I think that was the point that uh, if. Uh, I'm going to actually look it up right now. But um, when Matt Walsh was talking to that, to that lady that was a gender-affirming therapist, he brought up the point. He's like, well, a three-year-old believes in Santa Claus. Does that mean Santa Claus is real? And she wouldn't, she wouldn't, like, she wouldn't acknowledge that that, th like, three, four, five, six-year-old knows what's, you know, right, wrong, true, not true. <laughs> is truth yeah what is truth exactly and it's this and it's this it's this idea that we can each individual person can define what truth is and truth is whatever they think it is it's it's left up to their imagination it's this crazy um it's a it's this crazy idea i mean it's just insane i i it, it blows my mind i watched that and i I, I honestly, I got through it, but at first I thought I wasn't going to be able to get through the clip because it was just so absurd. I was like, I can't believe there is somebody that claims to be a medical, like a, a physician, a physician that is claiming these things. I mean, it's just absolutely incredible. I mean, it's incredible. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it really is. I mean, something else that I thought was really strange is how um, there's like such an emphasis on everything being natural these days, like natural food, natural like health habits. And then to do something like a transgender, that's like the most unnatural thing you can do. Like, the like a hard thing is like replacing an organ, you know, like that's a really big deal and it's pretty timely and hard to do. So by them trying to like take stuff out, replace it. And like, I heard like a lot of these poor girls, they have to shave their arms off. Pretty yeah. Much to make the organ parts. And so they like lose one, like most of their forearm and one arm then it goes on and they have to do like hip surgeries and they have to do shoulder surgeries and then like their faces are being contorted and it's it's like the like how in the world is this natural and okay to do when a lot of people say like gas from cards is dangerous to breathe it's like well the level of like damage is just unbelievable from trying these practices and like uh abigail schreier was saying there's very few that are actually capable of doing this because it's such an intense 
like medical procedure. But a lot of times they messed it up really badly and these poor kids just are in complete pain. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was that was I mean, I've listened to that and I was just completely disturbed. Um, one of the things that I mean, it just is it's so sad. But like you said, these these surgeries, they they do to create essentially the <laughs> uh, a fake, uh, you know, phallus for a girl, they they remove the skin from the forearm and and they reconstruct it essentially but there's only a certain amount of i mean really it, it takes a very skilled surgeon to do that and these hospitals are pushed to do these surgeries because they're very lucrative as far as the the profits they bring in and so you have these hospitals that are pushing these surgeries at the expense of young girls i mean that is just absolutely despicable and um and it, it really shocked me. I mean, you know, you'd like to have a lot of faith in the medical community. Um, unfortunately, these days, I can't say I do. Uh, but it's just, it's really sad to see. Yeah, it's sad to see people being taken advantage of in their, in their, you know, in their states of vulnerability um, for the for the sake of profit. And yeah, it's, it's crazy. I mean, I listened to that, that podcast with Jordan Peterson was really, I mean, it was a great podcast, but I was listening to that part and I was just like, Oh my gosh. Like it was, it was truly disturbing to, to hear the levels of just, you know, mutilation that, that go on in these, in these surgeries. I mean, it's, I think if more people heard that, we'd have a, probably a different, I would hope we would have a different perspective as a society on these, on these surgeries, but I don't know if I could say that that's true or not, but yeah, it's just, it was crazy. I, I guess I didn't, I, I guess I didn't realize personally you know, the, ex the, the level and the extent that these surgeries have and, and the absolute invasion of, yeah, it's, it was crazy. Yeah. You, you'd think that people would, uh, would have learned like what these kind of surgeries do to you after seeing like what happened to like Michael Jackson and stuff. Like, you know, you kind of look like a goblin <laughs> close to the end of his life. Cause like, he just like, you know, the plastic surgery, I mean, obviously it was, you know, early, earlier plastic surgery, but still like, that effect is going to happen. We're going to see a lot of people, a lot of people in like 30 or 40 years from now where they're like, their faces are falling off or like, you know, their shoulders are popping out or their new and improved fake sexual organs are deteriorating. <laughs> like we're going to see a lot of that, I think, because that's just what happens like when you mess with the body in, in a way that is unnatural, like Tom was saying. Um, Things are not going to go well in the long term, and that's that's the really that's the that's the thing that's so frustrating. Like, I'm definitely not the best at thinking about things in the long term, but I know that if 
I were to go out and get some sort of surgery right now and have the immediate effect of doing that right now today, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, that's when the effect is going to start showing. And that's when I'm going to be really thinking, why did I do that? And none of these kids have the capacity in their mind. They don't have the ability for a foresight. Like we were talking about when we were 14. Like I didn't know when I was 14 that jumping on trains was, um, well, I knew it was against the law, but I didn't really know that like what the consequences of that were. But now I'm like, well, gosh, thank goodness I ain't caught because, you know, those consequences would have been really bad. And it's the same thing with this like transgender stuff. Like all the kid wants is to feel good right now. He doesn't really care what's happening 15 years from now. So it's, yeah. 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 Not to mention, not to mention that um, actually the level of mental development in in teens is actually the age is going up and up so now i think there was a study done and i'd have to find this um but i believe the like if you look at the mental development of a 22 year old 10 years ago it would be the equivalent to the mental development of a 25 26 year old today so we're not only seeing these decisions being forced on really young people but also our mental development as human beings is the the average age is being pushed up so we have less and less capability of making these very critical decisions in and and critical thinking and critical you know this critical like mental really I, i mean we're we're not recognizing that human beings are declining mentally to a certain extent. I think that's probably due a lot to technology and the push of technology. We don't have to think as hard for ourselves. I mean, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole here, but you know, I think that has maybe a little bit to do with it. And uh, we definitely have to use less and less critical thinking skills now than we did even probably 15 years ago. But it is interesting to think, you know, if the 24 year old isn't able to think as clearly as a 22 year old from 10 years ago, what is a 14 year old, what decisions are a 14 year old able to make? And they're definitely not able to make these decisions. And and that's really the scary thing. And that's where it's scary to see legislation that's, you know, telling parents that if they don't um, affirm their child's decision at 14 years old to get gender, gender therapy, that they'll lose custody of that child, that they'll have to go to, you know, child services will come and take custody of that. I mean, that's just insane. I I just don't know how we've gotten to that point, but here we are. (laughs) Here we are. Yeah, wild stuff. Tom, you got anything for us? Well, I mean, that was all pretty good stuff, you guys. Just kind of made for I think maybe a way to help reach these kids is to show them what the beauty of living a good life the way God intended. Like, um, I think the the thing that's made me most attracted to like the idea of marriage is being around young couples, honestly. Like them, especially with their new families, 
it's like you you didn't really have a perspective of that as a kid because you just saw all the things you're worried about but as growing up as an adult you're thinking wow you know it's a real joy to have you know a family and a home and all of those wonderful things that come along with it like yeah just the idea of a long time life that you know you're devoted to and you're working towards it's so much more freeing and um, hopeful than just like figuring out what I'm going to try to do today or tomorrow and what fun I could have or whatever or what weird thing I can try out today it's yeah so yeah maybe that's something like like because a lot of these people they find most of their influence on like uh, social media platforms for like snippets of like someone's life or something they did you just see a common a reel of all these different people's lives and then they think that they have to compare their everyday life to like these hyper reels and then they're like well i can't really live up to that and so they kind of fall into a depression and things but yeah i just been thinking about that a little bit of like how do you show people what a good life looks like outside of and maybe we can go inside of those mediums but that was just something i was thinking about when you guys were talking Yeah, it's like how do we how do we inspire hope? Another way of saying it, like how do we inspire hope into people? And yeah, I mean, there's so many, like you said, there's so many families that are just so broken or so like not complete, non-existent, really, that are creating a lot of these problems, um, or at least the basis for a lot of these problems. And uh, yeah, I think a lot of people have kind of given up hope on having good families or having good like community life. And so they, they delve into the life of the self and all the desires of the self. I think, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a big problem. Yeah. Like, I wonder too if it had a lot of, like the reason why this is spiked so rapidly so quickly was all the isolation that's been around for the past couple of years. Because that was something else that Peterson and Charlie were talking about was how most of these girls that are doing this sort of stuff, they aren't really around many people. And they don't really have many external influences besides media. So it almost seems like it would have to come through like just true human interaction that thinks about a change of heart being hope. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's I think it's probably especially difficult when you're especially now with this 
the, the I, I like to call it the social media generation when your main form of interaction is through this this kind of fake phony platform that you really only see whatever someone wants to share and a lot of the, a lot of the time I feel like that's something that's completely manufactured you know it's it's a highlight reel in some aspects and I think if that's your main form of interaction with other people I think that can be extremely damaging to your psyche and and to to have to deal with that on a daily basis I'm sure it's extremely difficult I mean I I try to limit myself as much as possible from that but I can't imagine the the pressure there is for young people in their teens today to to be a part of those platforms but also to deal with the the challenges and the struggles that come with those platforms because i mean really social media is a pretty toxic place most of the time and um yeah i, I can't imagine the damage that or the toll that it takes mentally to, to have to do you have to utilize that as your main form of interaction with other human beings and not have a, a physical or um, a vocal interaction with with other humans I mean it's just I think that's something that's probably lost more now than ever and I think that probably contributes to this a little bit it's just the physical connection between us and others and I think that I, I mean it makes a huge it, I know it makes a huge difference difference for me to be able to get on and and talk with you Tom you know once once or twice a week I mean it, it makes a huge difference it's so much there's so much more meaning behind the conversation than just a, a text message right it's getting on and, and seeing seeing a face or hearing a voice I think that makes a huge difference and so yeah I can't imagine what it's like to to be in an age or kind of this this demographic that really only communicates via via text or social media it's got to be yeah it's got to be really challenging but yeah i think um i don't know how you guys are feeling but i feel like we've uh maybe uh talked ourselves into a lull here and i i think there's probably plenty to cover if we want to come back next week and, and chat about and chat about these issues but i think this was a really great conversation i really enjoyed it so thanks yeah. guys for thanks thanks for yeah thanks isaac i really appreciate you uh coming on tonight and, and sharing your thoughts and ideas and i think uh i think Tom, I'll, I mean, I won't speak for both of us, but I really, really enjoyed this conversation. I think it, yeah, I think it was a, a really good one. And I'd, I'd be more than happy to, to continue it next week if we have the chance. I would love to do Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, guys, I'll close this out, but yeah, thanks again. I think, um, this week to all our listeners, you know, if you wanna if you wanna find any of the the links uh, for the for the topics we talked about, 
Um, I'll link those all in the the comments below um, on both YouTube, Spotify. Uh, but you can also go check out our Instagram page, Green Dragon Podcast, on Instagram. Um, you'll see some of the the news links on our highlight reel um, for the for the world news and the domestic news. But most importantly, this week, I think it's something that I'll try to take into this week is is to try to be a, a more empathetic person to, to those around me to try to really understand where, where people are coming from. But yeah, be, be safe this week. Um, be a, be a good neighbor, be a good person, but most importantly, stay true to your thoughts, stay true to your morals and be a good American. God bless you all. and Have a great night.